My mysterious mutts. Uh, I la la la. Do we say the podcast first, or do I just say my name? I don't know. Rob's not here. <laughs> Hello, my mysterious mutts. I'm Devin Shepard. I'm David B. Jacobs, and we are the Cadaver Dogs. And surprise, we're here with an episode sooner than we said that we would be, but we had to do it this time. We had well, to talk well, about this it's movie. Mini-sode. It's a mini-sode. Uh, it's, it's, it's a gonna mini-sode. Be, it's going to be very off the cuff. Uh, we're, we're doing minimal editing. No, they're not. <laughs> totally How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm Since good. I saw you I'm yesterday. Good. I know. Yeah, we saw each other yesterday, though we were... I want to say at least 10 beers deep yesterday. So it's good to see you a little bit coming. sober. I don't think I was. <laughs> yeah, neither. Uh, five pitchers. Um, I don't know. <laughs> there were like a dozen of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm I'm good. It's so it feels good to be back in the chair, I think. I mean, obviously, we're missing Rob, but I, I feel like I've been really missing talking about horror movies. So I'm <laughs> just really excited yeah. to to get this going again. I like feel like I'm going through withdrawal because I've been trying trying to sit down and watch a horror movie but i'm like uh i have no one to talk to about this anymore because we're like you know when like horror is your job and you kind of like want to take a break from it for a second i don't know it's like that weird thing where like you're working while you're relaxing you know i mean, mean? i've been going through so many waves early in the year i went through a classic movie wave then i went through a big video game wave thanks to resident evil 4 then i read comic books for like a month straight after spider-verse then i started doing all three interchangeably uh <laughs> <laughs> and now i'm now i'm playing resident evil 1 again uh i beat the three hour time so i'm happy about that, that was, oh shit that was, oh shit yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when there's a strike going on and there's no work there's a strike. i have nothing to do with my time that's not true i i i have people to see and video games to play are you gonna pick it at all pick what my nose pick it pick it pick it are oh, you gonna oh, pick oh. it no <laughs> <laughs> I should. I'd rather go with someone. If you ever want to pick it with me, then I'll, I'd be down to that to do that. Yeah, I also should. So I think, yeah. yeah, maybe we should do that. I know in LA they had a horror day. I wonder if they'll have one in New York um, with SAG. Mm, cool. Yeah, yeah I'd, that would be I'd, fun. I'd be happy to to get a group together and get on the front lines. Yeah, if anyone wants to come out in New York and pick it with us, it's up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things have been fucking stressful, man. I feel like. I mean, I don't work in film directly anymore, but obviously all of my friends do. And it is just like a looming shadow and just like high stress and just like fear and hatred. It's like a real life horror movie, but constant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're feeling that more than I am. Yeah. You remember when I had that anxiety attack like two months ago when the writer strike first started? That was fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like straight up panic attack uh, <laughs> in my shower. <laughs> well, actually, you do have exciting news. We can get off the bad news. You have exciting news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I made a short horror film last year called Pillow Talk. Uh, it's five minutes. A uh, man wakes up next to a strange woman who may or may not be human. 
no dialogue. It's very like David F. Sandberg-esque. Uh, and it is playing at two upcoming festivals. The first one is in Los Angeles. It's Midsummer Scream which is a film festival, but also a horror convention. And I'll be there. I'm flying out there. It's going to be really fun. And we're screening there on Sunday, July 30th at 1.30. So if you guys are going to Midsummer Scream, you should check out that block and see my short film. I'm so mad I'm missing that one. There's going to be like so many good people at Midsummer Scream. I'll like... I'm so sad. <laughs> yeah, they got like Tom Holland, uh, not the Spider-Man Tom Holland, the the other the Tom Holland that we've talked about. There were other names there as well. I just I don't have them on me. There's a lot of names there. You guys should look um, it up. The Boulet brothers are gonna be there, and I'm way upset that they announced it after <laughs> I decided I wasn't gonna go. <laughs> I don't I don't know if anyone else out there watches Dragula, but I'm obsessed. And yes, I love the Boulet brothers. I know Peaches Christ will be there. <gasps> Oh my God. No, I didn't know that. My heart. Now you do. <laughs> yeah. And then for those of you in New York, uh, we have another festival in August called the Festival of Cinema NYC. I've, I've been to this one before, actually. I've screened it before. It's a really good festival. And I'll be at this one. Yes. Um, and that one's screening at Friday, August 11th at 1130 at night. So it's going to be a great like midnight screening of this movie. Um, we're introing a feature film that I know nothing about. Uh, <laughs> Is it a horror film? And it, I think it's thrillery. I'm not sure. Okay. I Still think it's same a genre, you know, yeah. ish. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. And that one is playing in a regal theater. I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, I have, and, and before we move on, I just, I have one more thing to plug as well, actually, Please. while we're on the topic. Yeah, so my other job, I work in a podcast company. We do genre and horror. And I am actually going to be on a show come this fall called Stories to Keep You Up at Night. And they are creepy horror tales that are very good. They're fiction. They're awesome. They're kind of like a listen to them as you fall asleep or listen to them around the fire and get really creeped out. They're very creepy, but I'll be co-hosting that show. Is it like narration style? Yeah. Yeah. It's like someone reading you a creepy story. I love this. <laughs> That's awesome. That's good, man. I'm excited. <laughs> I'll, I'll post when we when it comes out exactly, but it's going to be last weekend of September all through October for spoopy season. Sweet. It's exciting. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll get us off of here. Thank you for uh, giving us time to, to plug some stuff. But I am excited to move on to the reason why we're here on our first mini-sode. Insidious, the red door, Insidious 5, came out a couple weeks ago now. We're a little bit slower on this one, but we wanted to jump in and give our review. So here's how this mini-sode is going to work. Basically, David and I are going to give spoiler-free reviews for those of you that have not yet seen the film. And then in the second half of our episode, we'll talk more spoilers um, and talk a little bit about the themes and our impressions of the movie. Um, and then, of course, can't help but talk about all the other Insidious films. So yeah, we'll obviously. give our rankings as well. <laughs> obviously. Um, it's been a while since I've seen the second and third movies. So I, I knew I was going to go see Insidious 5 the weekend it came out. And I think I had the day off beforehand. So I just binged all of the movies oh, within damn. 24 hours. I watched the fourth one before seeing the fifth, only because I hadn't seen it before. Oh, shit. Did you see all of them when they came out? Yeah. I think this is actually my first time seeing an Insidious movie in theaters. Oh, wow. What? Yeah. 
<laughs> I guess, well, now now I'm trying to wonder. So I love Lee Winnell or Wannell, Wannell, however you say it. I don't know. It's I don't fucking know. Australian. There's an accent. Um, <laughs> I love him so much. And I'm trying to figure out if I became more obsessed with him after the Insidious films or if I did if I like was in love with him before. And when you say in love with him, do you mean John C. Riley in love with him or Robert England in love with him? <laughs> <laughs> like Ty West in love with him. Like I madly respect okay. him as a filmmaker. <laughs> I could care less what he looks like. <laughs> so yeah, I guess John C. Riley in love. I, I imagine all our, our audience who hasn't listened to those previous, previous conversations were probably trying to figure out which one was which. So <laughs> <laughs> I have many loves. I have many loves. <laughs> well, oh, so were you always a fan of the Insidious films when you finally did watch them? Or were, are you yeah. not a fan of them? Oh, you are. Uh, I'm a fan of the first one. Oh, interesting. They're all very <laughs> different movies, I will say. And I think the fifth installment mm. um, keeps that going. It is a very different film mm. from the first four. That's true. It is. It's a lot more. First, did you like this new one? It's, it's, <laughs> why is that a hard question? Um, no, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I didn't not like it. Okay. I liked it. <laughs> you liked it. Yeah. Okay, cool. I liked Great. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it like a fantastic film in terms of like, no, it's breaking boundaries and like going to win awards? No, fuck no. It's not even the first time they opened the red door. No, this film does hit a lot of lore that is presented in the films. I will say this movie, for those of you that haven't seen it, takes place right after the first two. Uh, Ten years after. Yeah, but it's after the first two rather than three and four, which are prequels to one and two yes so an fyi this is a spoiler free section right now but spoilers for those other movies may happen so that this is your warning yeah good note because we're gonna do it right now <laughs> for instance all those twists in the first movie they're astral projecting the dad did it too all those things are like kind of twists again in this movie but we already know it so <laughs> that's a little yeah <laughs> well, and I think that's what makes this film so interesting because spoiler free, at the end of the second film, our main characters, Patrick Wilson, who plays Josh, and his son, Dalton, played by Ty Simpkins, who actually what I did love, and I'll, I'll just interject my thought real quick with another one. Um, I love that they kept all the same actors from the first two yes. movies. The, the kid actors are, in fact, the same actors as, as this one. Yes. So they are young adults here, which is really cool. Yeah. So they at the end of the second film, they are basically hypnotized to forget that they can astral project at all. Um, so we meet them in 2023, where they can't remember, but spooky things begin to happen. And maybe, just maybe, they need to relearn. Yeah, and that is interesting. This movie, I, I wasn't sure going into it that there would be a story there. Like, I, I was kind of like, why are we just going back to the same family and dealing with the same plot again, the same demons again, blah, blah, blah. But its angle kind of is to focus in on what happens after the haunting so to speak it is like how has this affected them through their lives and how has this repressed memory affected them through their lives right from the beginning of the movie they're not necessarily in the best place they're not necessarily better off for having forgotten it isn't a happy ending that we were left to assume it would be and i think that's interesting i i think i think that's cool it's a lot more grounded in the 
dynamic between Dalton and his father. And I think that those familial elements, the melodrama of the movie is like what's really interesting about it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's such an interesting premise and a way to like bring us back to almost the tension of the first one. But what is cool, obviously, in this one is that he, Dalton, is a teenager and he's using this power as a teen instead. So he has a different relationship with it at this point. Um, And then also on top of that, Josh, the dad, it's a totally new relationship for him. Don't really want to go through spoilers here, but a lot has happened since you know, the second chapter of Insidious, where Josh is pretty much a a completely different person. So rediscovering this power for him is also um, a huge character experience, which is really interesting and something I want to talk about later on with spoilers. Yeah, uh, they also have the new character, Chris, who is uh, Dalton's friend, and I liked her. <laughs> I loved her so much. She was yeah. so much fun. Yeah. I will say one thing about the Insidious franchise is that they always have fun characters. And I think Chris mm. is just another addition to the universe, the Insidious universe mm. in that way. Yeah. These movies, they're, they're cool because like they lean in for the jump scare thing, but they're also like really having fun with it. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the first Insidious is like the lighter, goofier, but also scarier version of The Conjuring. <laughs> Yes, definitely goofier. And I will say this is like the lightest scare installment in the franchise. If you are going in like to expect something scarier, it's not not even like the goofiest of the franchise. So I wouldn't expect that either. Yeah, I mean, it's it's scarier than the previous one. But I mean, that might just that might just say more about the previous oh, one. Interesting. Maybe that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they do have some fun scares in this one. They do. Actually, the first jump scare really got me. Same. I know. Yeah. Exactly with the hand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know what you're yeah. talking about. I like that too. <laughs> that was a good one. There are some really great moments in here. And again, some just like, I really love the advancement of the characters. I feel like you don't really get to see that a lot in horror films. Well, no, that's a lie. I guess you don't really get to see the 10 years later, same yeah. characters. Yeah. Uh, we had Halloween did it with uh, 40 years later. <laughs> oh, that's true. Oh, you yeah. are right. Yeah. And, and they do a great job. job. Yeah. Yeah. At least. 2018 Halloween did a good job with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, some some downs about this one that I didn't enjoy as much. I mean, again, I said it already. It's not as scary, as scary as I was expecting yeah. it to be. I mean, look, it's Patrick Wilson's debut feature as a director. I think it shows. Not that that says anything negative about his direction. It's just I think he he very much seems like an actor's director, which, hmm. you know, is kind of harder to do in the horror world if you don't really have a lot of experience of working with, you know, other crews and setting up tension. So I feel like there was a lot of lack in terms of like the execution um, artistically. Yeah, that's fair. I think this, the good scares that we're talking about, I think are mostly like early on. And I think yeah. as it goes on, like the, the climax is kind of whatever. It's whatever. I mean, something that they do is they recycle a lot of the same scares. Yeah, yeah. Should we get into spoilers? Well, I think before we get into spoilers, I would love for us to actually share our bone reviews. Uh, so the people that want to stop it here before the spoilers can hear what we think in terms of rating it. Awesome. David, I'll let you go first. All right. So right after I saw this movie, I was like uh, very high on it and maybe like comparing it to the fourth one, maybe rate it very favorably and I'd given like two and a half, but I'm, I'll, I'll bring that down to chew bones because like it's been less than a week and I'm already like I needed to look up some refreshers of it before coming into this (laughs) so it's not a movie that's going to stick with me i don't think 
but I did enjoy it, and I think that it is worth checking out. You don't necessarily need a rush to see it. Like, if you watch it on streaming, you'll probably be fine, Um, so long as it's dark outside. Yeah, I, it's it's absolutely worth watching. I had fun with it. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really any different. Um, I also left it really high, being like, I really liked that movie. I had a good time watching it. Um, Obviously, again, not the greatest film in terms of ex- execution. Definitely not as scary as I was hoping it would be. I, I'm back and forth between two and two half. I want to give it a two and a half. Cool. Yeah, for reasons that we'll get into. But yeah, I enjoyed it, but I agree. Um, Watch it on streaming after you've been all the other ones and it's like 2 a.m so where does this rank for you among the insidious franchise i think ranking this franchise was like the hardest it was so hard for me because they're so different (laughs) i'm not in love with any of them so i feel very lukewarm about them they all kind of like meld together and i'm sure this will be an ever-changing ranking for me should i start backwards or forwards whichever you prefer okay i'm gonna start with my number five okay So Red Door is my number five. (laughs) I liked it, but I think just in comparison of the other ones, yeah, I had too much fun with the other ones. They're they're all in different places for different reasons, and I'll I'll let you know. So number five is Red Door. Number four is Chapter Three. I just thought this one was okay i don't know i didn't really like like the main character some of the scares were really good i it just like stands out for me as something like completely different um so that's number four the first one is actually my third ranking i know what (laughs) i know i did not like it when it came out okay that's different the first one is literally poltergeist it is the same fucking story as poltergeist i mean elise even says it's not the house that's on it it's you blah 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 i think that's why i was surprised that you didn't like it more (laughs) no it's just poltergeist and then they had the audacity to redo poltergeist like two years later I definitely liked the first one a lot more of this last rewatch than I have in previous rewatches. Okay. My number two is The Last Key, which I know you hated. Wait. The one that is so ridiculous. I like it's it's so ridiculous that I love it so much because it's so different from everything else because it's goofy as fuck. <laughs> And I, I just think it was like such a, gr- I don't know. I don't know why it's my number two. I just had so much fun watching it. It was so silly. <laughs> um, and then obviously chapter two is my, my number one. That one's just so fucking freaky. And all of the horrors in it are like the things that scare me the most. So uh, yeah, it's scary. I know it has a lot of problems. I know it had a lot of problems, but it's the scariest one for me. I always, I, it gave me so many nightmares when I first watch. All right. I'll go the other way. I'll go from my first leading to my last because my number one spot is the easiest and as it goes down it becomes harder for me but different reasons for me the reason this is hard to rank is because it's been like 10 years since i saw parts two and three fair (laughs) two and three i don't really remember them so (laughs) anyway with that said my number one is obviously the first movie by like a full bone like (laughs) the first insidious is like easy three bones i love it i think it's amazing i think it's so inventive it is beautifully directed by james wan uh i like all the characters i love the twists in it it goes in such a radically different direction than you're expecting and then the third act just becomes like let's just make this an excuse to like do all the different ideas that we had and put them in one movie. And I love that licking his lips. Demon is scary. The, the doll demons are scary. All of them are scary except for the red faced demon. He's not scary <laughs> except for him. All the others are scary. And the old lady ghost 
scared the ever living shit out of me 10 years ago. I thought she was so fucking scary. <laughs> uh, see, um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't at all. I didn't think she was scary at all. <laughs> Yeah, she scared me a lot when I first saw it. Maybe because I was traumatized by The Shining, but... <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. My number two slot. Okay, this one's a little harder now, because now I like have to compare movies that I remember to movies that I don't remember. But I'm, I, I'm actually going to give The Red Door my number two slot. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you see how quickly those bone ratings jumped down. <laughs> it is very, very mid, and I like the family dynamics, everything we said already. And then my number three, I'm just going to have to give chapter three then, because I like that one. Why do I like it? I don't remember, but I remember that I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it centered on Lin Shay, and I think I like that part of it. So. I mean, Lin Shay in all of these fucking movies is my yeah, dream i want to be her i love her she is queen i love that they brought her back for basically everyone no spoilers <laughs> yes okay i'm gonna give the fourth movie the what's it called the final the last key the last key that one i'm gonna give my number four spot did you like the last key no yeah okay <laughs> um i didn't hate the last key okay i will take that yeah i didn't hate the last key but the reasons i didn't hate it i don't think were intent i i thought it was so bad it was funny <laughs> no yeah I, that's exactly I, why it's my number two <laughs> <laughs> i gave it some points back for being like unintentionally funny at times yeah it is very much not scary i think there was like maybe one good jump scare in it okay but the story is scary the story's freaky as the story had potential. I like the idea that they're diving into like uh, Alinche, Elise's backstory. I, I like that. But like the way they go about it is also like really hammy. I mean, and yeah. it didn't it didn't work for me. And then like they're trying <laughs> to introduce the, her nieces, these new characters, but they like don't actually establish those characters at all. And then there's the creepy thing where uh, uh, Lee Winnell is like 45 or whatever and hitting on a teenager. So that was also yeah, really that weird. part is extremely <laughs> weird and I don't understand it. The whole movie, yeah. they have older men with younger women. The whole movie. Like everyone in the movie, including the um, the people in the past are like with younger women. Like why? What, what's happened? So my last spot, uh, by process of elimination, this is interesting. Um, but I really did not like part two at all when I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I was oh, very wow. mad at it. I mean, now looking back at it, I can say like, oh, it's probably because it was really transphobic. I don't think I was thinking of that at the time 10 years ago. See, that's why I didn't like it when I first saw it because of that. Yeah, uh, I, I think at the time it was literally just they had this really scary ghost, the old lady. And then in the sequel, they changed it. And now it's just like a trans woman. And I'm, I'm not afraid of trans women no well and can i interject here too because like yeah i mean obviously we've talked about this controversy a lot before on the pod see yeah. here pet cemetery see here incident ghost land like this is a constant trope in horror that they did yeah. this character is introduced in the first film and what i find interesting and i wonder if this is how they thought of it this way is that in order to excuse the fact that they had a man playing a woman in order to make her look creepy in the first one that they then tried to give a backstory that oh no no we always meant it was you know a uh uh not necessary no, this is difficult to say that this was not a man actor portraying a woman this was a trans character as a woman so yeah. it's therefore not problematic question mark makes it more problematic um the conversation around 
trans people has evolved so much just in the past 10 years. I think that at that point in time, this was not a a problem that the industry was responding to. Jared Leto won the Oscar for playing a trans woman like after this came out. Uh, this this was not something that people were discussing as something that was problematic, even though it, it was. But I don't think that they were writing into that necessarily. And I don't even think that's why I didn't like it, because I don't think I knew that much about trans people at that time. I, I just found it less scary. I thought that they ruined the mystery of the character and made her unscary. And that's the only thing I remember from that movie. I respect all of that. Look, and I mean, like, I'd still give that one two and a half, three bones. Like, it's not a, my bone ratings don't really like differ that much from film to film, I think. Yeah, I think that the, the first one stands head over heels above the rest. And in my personal opinion, you're just a James Wan stan. So we'll I am a James Wan stan. Yeah, you are. We had really different opinions on the lake then. yes we did see that review well i do want to move us along because we want to keep these shorter for you guys these mini-sodes so let's head into the spoiler section now yes okay so spoiler (laughs) when they paint over the red door like the first thing when 30 minutes into the movie or whatever when they're like okay we need to close the door and i'm like okay so the first thing you should try is like since you open it with a painting you should try painting it shut right and then they don't try that and i'm like i mean it probably wouldn't work anyway. Like you would try it and then it wouldn't work, but then they don't try and I'm like, okay, well, I guess they just assume it won't work. Then the end of the movie, they just do that and it works. And I'm just like, wait, really? (laughs) Why didn't you try that sooner? (laughs) It's the first thing you try. (laughs) Yeah. The, the, the rules in this movie, I don't, I don't understand them. They like, it's, it's a typical thing where it's like number five and now they're like, we're just going to add a bunch of new rules that have no place whatsoever in the previous four movies. We haven't talked about any of this shit, but yeah, why not just like say that he can paint in the spirit world? <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, that didn't bother me too much. That's just like, the reason I was surprised that worked was because I didn't take it as his painting is opening the door. I took it as he's tapping into his subconscious and that's what's opening the door. Because mm, like when he I makes see. the painting, it's his teacher tells him, search deep within yourself. Don't even think about it. Just paint. And then it's because yeah. he's doing that that he winds up opening the door because he is opening himself to these repressed memories. That being said, I love that they made his character an artist. I think because so of that much. reason. Oh, yeah, man. it makes just so much more sense. And I said this before earlier, but I love the characterization of where they went. I love that he's a little brat to his dad. I love that they got divorced. Same. That was something that actually surprised me uh, when I when I saw it. I was like, oh, my God, wait, no fucking way. They're divorced. That fucking sucks. Because you see them go through these first two movies and you're like, oh, they can fight anything, especially after Josh turns into a murderer in the second one because he becomes possessed. Like, that's scary as fuck and so hard to go through, I'm sure, as Rose Byrne's character to, like, yeah. see her husband terrify the children. But I love that they they took that and played it into, no, these characters are going to have fucked up relationships now because that happened in the past. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember the second one that well. I, I wasn't sure throughout this if she remembered or not until they finally said it. Uh, I thought that they had all forgotten, but I guess just Josh and Dalton forgot. Everyone else yeah. remembered, even the siblings, although uh, they were kind of gaslit by their mom with good intentions. <laughs> G- gaslit, but also very young to remember 
pretty much anything or understand what was happening. Yeah. I mean, if your husband tries to kill you and your family with an axe, then it's kind of weird that they stay together. Like, they do this in all the Conjuring movies. After that first Conjuring movie, she's, like, trying to kill her two children. It's like, I'm sorry, I know you were possessed, but this relationship's fucked now. It's completely fucked. Yeah. And that's why it feels realistic to me. That, I feel like, is where Patrick Wilson's understanding of character and the way that he directs his actors is coming through so strongly and knowing where to to really push certain points. I know he didn't work on the screenplay, but I think like he really captures that well in his direction. And in his own performance, too. I really liked his performance. Oh, my God. He, he feels like half a person. He does. And... What I love most about this movie that happens in like the first like 15 minutes of the film, Patrick Wilson cries. He's a full blown adult Mm. man who sobs. And it is so beautiful to see that in a movie, let alone a horror (laughs) movie of like, this guy's going through shit. He's going to cry. He's not going to punch a wall. He's not going to like get an emo rock. This man's just going to sit in his car and cry. That was so beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And even like the the fight that they have at the college in any other movie, this would usually feel really forced. Like we need to have them yell at each other. But in this one, it just felt natural for some reason. I, I was surprised yeah. how much I bought it. <laughs> I think the relationship between the father and the son is really nicely done in this movie. Yeah, surprisingly so. Yeah. Do you think it's resolved well? Oh, what I will add is that I feel like, and a lot of horror movies kind of do this, the setup is so compelling, but then at some point, it's like, okay, now we have to go fight these demons, and like that just becomes the new thing, and it almost sort of replaces the probably more interesting dramatic component of it, and then we get the, like, Tim sacrificing himself, and but not really... But yeah, (laughs) yeah, the sacrificing himself did seem a bit much, but I do like that Dalton comes back for him and that we do have both of them at least showing that they're fighting for one another. And I think that's why I was satisfied with that. The relationship didn't necessarily need to resolve. It just needed to show that it was growing and that there still is love there and that these two can overcome the trauma that they went through in, in their earlier years or at least want to try to overcome it. Yeah, the the ending to me largely feels like it reads like several different drafts of the script kind of thrown together and like they haven't finished it. They haven't mm. streamlined whatever they're going for. It, it, it reads too much like they've been rewriting, 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 rewriting. So much of the resolution feels like it's some tease that Patrick Wilson is still in the further or something like that. I, I so much was waiting for that reveal and then it just doesn't happen. And then Lynn Shea pops up and then I'm like, oh my God, he's dead. Uh, and then she's like, oh, your mom, you'll get to talk to her eventually. And I'm like, okay, so he's not dead. He just saw Lynn Shea for some reason. Okay. Yeah, I had the same exact thought. I was like, oh wait, he is dead? Oh fuck, I really was hoping he wasn't going to be dead. I mean, no benevolent ghost has shown up like that before in a movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it it reads like they had an idea for some last minute twist and then they backed out of it, which I mean, to be fair, like the first movie did that twist that he was sure. still in the further and his body was possessed. They already did that twist. Great twist. Amazing twist. Yeah. Yeah. The ending just kind of feels weak in general. The whole climax just is like, yeah, 
them not knowing how to resolve this plot. Um, yeah, I agree. Lots of lots of weakness there around. I do want to start wrapping it up, but I do want to say, I mean, we've said it multiple times, but what I really did love about this movie was the exploration and themes of masculinity and the fragility mm. of and the relationships that men have with one another. I mean, specifically in this film, father and son seen through three different generations. It was just so refreshing to like see the theme explored in in a in a wide way i think yeah the movie is heavily heavily trying to discuss generational trauma which i guess the first one was as well but not necessarily leaning into it as much it was more interested in its ghosts but the generational trauma themes are definitely there in the first one as well and played further in this one as we are now seeing dalton begin to develop into uh what josh was and josh was also repressed in the first one he had repressed his memories of his childhood um yeah and now they're both going through that simultaneously and the movie is kind of addressing like well uh this repeated with dalton because josh had repressed his memories to some extent because he wasn't able to guide his son through what he was going through and maybe it's not healthy for them to be repressing this again right which in the same way josh's father also did that to him by leaving Right. I mean, it's just being a parent in general, you know, it's like, how are you going to fuck up your kids about trying to save them? Or how are you going to, you know, it's like that complicated relationship that I think is done so well, which is, I do love that reveal at the end when Josh's father, you you do end up learning that he was trying to save Josh. Oh, yeah. That the, yeah. the ghost Josh had kept seeing the entire time had been his dad, except for the one time when it's the, the woman in black in the MRI machine, which is the the best scene in the movie <laughs> oh my god our whole theater was like i hate it and you know it's coming <laughs> you know it it was the only one that was done well i think but i agree with what you were saying earlier i think through the first three we hit the same themes one and two i think specifically more so it's like parents mothers and now this one's fathers but the imbalance of horror is where the ratings of these i think really change yeah yeah it's weird. I mean, this is just because the movies aren't because there's been multiple movies using different metaphors. But it's interesting that they kind of come away with a bit of mixed metaphors because on the one hand, there's like the abuse that he's like literally trying to kill them. And on the other hand, there's like the deadbeat dad who's like never there for his kid. <laughs> it's like yeah. the opposite metaphors. But um, I love when, I mean, uh, <laughs> when, when Josh is like, I promise Dalton, I'm going to get help. I'm going to get help. And me in the audience thinking, oh, he's going to go to therapy. Go, Josh. That's what you really need. You really should go to therapy. No, he's just going to go get an MRI. Clearly, his issue is uh, physical. Then the MRI doctor tells him to go to therapy. Yeah. It's like, wait, <laughs> why was your first instinct? to get an MRI and not to go to therapy? It, it makes some sen- sense to me because it does seem like there's something literally wrong with his brain. I mean, what I kept thinking of actually was a uh, long COVID that oh. I don't know if you've ever spoken to people with long COVID, but I felt like a lot of Patrick Wilson's performance was kind of mirroring that. In terms of him being foggy and yeah. not sure what's different about him, but something has changed significantly. Yeah, exactly. Which is really sad. Yeah, it sucks. But again, why masculinity is such an interesting exploration here, because, you know, masculine traits tell you, yeah, fight that stuff down. Like, it's physical. There's nothing wrong with you. Don't cry. Like, that kind of, like, old school 
way of thinking. I think that's that's also something that we see his character struggling with is like being willing to open up to that emotional side of him, which in turn then brings him back to the further. Yes. But allows him to harness the power for good <laughs> or for evil. I don't know. I like that you talk about masculinity specifically in this regard, because uh, there, there is a thing in our society where m- men are taught to repress emotion and to pretend yes. like there's nothing wrong uh which i think we're starting as a society to recognize as toxic and to combat which is good we should combat that it's a bad philosophy uh yeah. men should not repress their feelings which is why patrick wilson crying in the first 15 minutes of the film is such a big fucking deal <laughs> and so perfect for what they're talking about with the themes of the movie because i agree i agree david do you have any last thoughts before we wrap it up no just you know for those still listening i mean let us know if you like these reviews we kind of want to keep doing more of them for newer films that come out we're going to try to see some some good stuff i think there's a lot of good horror movies coming out within the next year yeah. so let us know uh hit us up on twitter at cadaver dogs pod on instagram at cadaver dogs pod or if you just want to send us an email we're cadaver dogs podcast at gmail.com and uh if you want to check out uh, those festivals that I mentioned with Pill Talk. Those links will be in the description. Cool. Well, it's good to be back, dude. I'm happy that we're here. So am I. <laughs> All right. See you, pup. Peace.